reading from God's Word this evening is taken from the book of Psalms. We turn firstly to Psalm uh, 18. We read the first uh, 18 verses of Psalm 18 and then turn to Psalm 29. So firstly Psalm 18. The psalm entitled to the chief musician, the psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. They went in the smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth, devoured, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered by rebuke of the blast of, thy, of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. 
They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. Turn then, if you would, to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syria like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to carve, and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. May the Lord bless to us those portions of his own precious word. Let's now come once again before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Consider together this evening some words that we read together from Psalm 29. Psalm 29. <coughs> and I would like us particularly to consider verses 3 through 9 of that psalm. And let's just read those words uh, once again. From verse 3, we read, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory from you, the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the seas. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syria, like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovereth the forests. 
and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. We know from the uh, title of this psalm that was penned uh, by David, suggested, suggested by some that it was written during uh, a thunderstorm. And whether this is the case or not, the, the picture language that is used here certainly traces the path of a storm. And we can look at this perhaps in two ways. <clears throat> Firstly, that God speaks through natural phenomena. Such phenomena are entirely under his control. And he so reveals himself through these things that all men are left without excuse if they do not acknowledge him. Secondly, these natural phenomena are illustrative of the way in which God speaks to men in showing the nature and the effects of his word as it goes forth with power. Now, this psalm before us this evening essentially falls into three parts. The first part, in the first two verses, is a call to the adoration and the worship of God, rendering unto him that which is his due and with due reverence. The second part, in verses 3 through 10, gives as that picture that we've mentioned already of the path of a storm as being illustrative of God communicating with men. And within that section in verses 3 through 9 we have seven declarations concerning the nature or the effects of God's word going forth. Each beginning with that same phrase, the voice of the Lord. And then in the third part of this psalm, which is the final verse, verse 11, this gives assurance to God's people that he will give them strength and peace. Now of course these three parts, they're not uh, disconnected. Rather, there is a flow between them. The first part begins, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Thus, even those who are mighty in this earth are reminded that there is one mightier than they are. And this is then emphasised in that second by way of example, the example of the mighty voice of the Lord who commands the thunderstorm and whose voice can be likened to it. And then the third part assures God people 
God's people that this mighty power of God is not to be feared by them for it's designed for their good for their strength for their peace the natural thunderstorm will not harm them even if it is the means by which they are taken from this earth the voice of the Lord is for their instruction, for their guidance, for their encouragement, and for their peace. But I want to focus this evening on those seven declarations which we find in verses 3 through 9 concerning the voice of the Lord. Firstly, in verse 3, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. Secondly, and in verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. <coughs> Thirdly, again in verse 4, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And then in verse 5, the Lord, sorry, the voice of the Lord breaketh the seas. Fifthly, verse 7, the voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. Sixthly, in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. And then finally, seventhly, verse 9, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to come and discovereth uh, the forests. Firstly, then, in, this, in verse 3, we read the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Now many people are afraid of thunderstorms. Every flash of lightning causes them to fear. Lest they uh, themselves be struck by lightning or or maybe the lightning will strike some nearby structure which may fall upon them. Every thunderclap strikes fear into their hearts. Well, this, of course, is but the after effect of that which causes real damage the lightning. Perhaps they nervously count the seconds between the flashes and the bangs to work out how far away the strikes are. And if they're getting closer, then when the rain falls in torrents, they worry about the floods that may result from that. But here we are reminded that there is one who is above all these things. The one who commands all these things. The one who speaks through all these things. And that these things are indicative of his dealings with his people and with mankind. You know, the wonder is that so many fear the thunder, fear the lightning, yet there is no fear of God in them. They don't hear 
or they refuse to hear his thunderings. They go through physical storms and they go through the storms of life and though they are moved sometimes perhaps even to despair, yet they will not listen to the voice of Almighty God who speaks through all these things. The voice of the Lord be raised us upon the waters. The waters pour forth at his command. But also to those who will hear, those who will hear his voice, he speaks to them when they're in the midst of the waters. And his voice is heard over and above the tumult, directing them to the rock that is higher than they are, that rock which is the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this third verse, I would suggest that the real emphasis is upon that essential part of the gospel of God's grace, which is the setting forth of God's law. That law which condemns all men for it defines a standard of righteousness which none can achieve because of our sinful nature. We read here, the God of glory thundereth. His voice goes forth like thunder. Thunder in the scriptures is often associated with God's communication of his law to mankind. We see it, for instance, on Mount Sinai. As Moses received the Ten Commandments from the Lord, we read in Exodus 20, reading from verse 18 and onwards, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off, and they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak us, lest we die. Read also, for instance, in the second book of Samuel, in chapter 22, verse 14. There we read the words of David The Lord thundered from heaven. And the most high uttered his voice. The voice of the Lord thunders against those who disobey his law, who stubbornly resist his will, who refuse to turn unto him. That voice of thunder also speaks with convicting power unto those whom God is determined to save by his grace, convicting them of their sin and of their inability to meet the demands of God's holy law. Well then secondly we read, the voice of the Lord is powerful in this world. When the Lord speaks through the natural phenomenon of the thunder, 
It is powerful. The sound it carries for great distances. But more significant than this. We know that it was by his voice that all things were created. He spoke and it was so. Throughout Genesis chapter 1, we have those repeated words, and God said, let there be, and so on. This was all that he took to bring into being all things from nothing. Reading Psalm 148 in verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. And when God the Son took mortal flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he also spoke with a voice of great power, such that, as we read in Matthew 8 and verse 27, men, <coughs> me, men marvel, saying, What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. That powerful voice also goes forth in the Gospel. When God speaks through his word about the power of his spirit unto men. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, there we read, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When God speaks with that powerful voice, when wakes the dead, those who are dead in trespasses and sins, and he puts a new principle of life within them, causing them to be born again of the Spirit of God. Well, then thirdly we read, again in verse 4, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. This speaks of glory, honour, <coughs> splendour, of beauty. This is something to be wondered at. It commands by its very nature honour and respect. Even when the natural thunder appeals, why it's something wonderful to behold. Be it the loud bang or be it the rumbling that runs on and on for several seconds. When the Lord speaks to men through his word and by the power of his spirit, why there's even greater majesty in that voice. It's more than raw power. It's full of majesty. The Lord's language is pure in its truth, in its beauty. It carries with it authority. It deserves by its very nature the bowing down of all creation and especially mankind. This has enormous implication for those who preach or who teach God's word. For we're handling the very oracles of God. And we must 
humbly bow before him. Acknowledging the majesty of his utterances and seeking his help, such that we may truly say, Thus saith the Lord. This also has huge implications for those who hear God's voice. Be that through the reading of his word or the hearing of it, Word of God deserves our reverence. And if we truly hear the voice of the Lord, such is its majesty, that we will inevitably bow down in humility and wonder that the Almighty God should deign to communicate with us. If we truly hear the voice of the Lord, we cannot do so with indifference, with a critical spirit or in a selective way, choosing only that which pleases our ears and our sensibilities. And then fourthly we read in verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. The cedar of Lebanon is a, a stately coniferous tree of great stature. In biblical times the wood of this tree was highly esteemed for its durability. It was used for instance for the building of David's house and then <coughs> for for the temple that was built by Solomon. And also then the second temple built when the exiles returned from Babylon. And the cedar is used by Old Testament writers as a, as a figure of stature in a man. Yet even these substantial, majestic trees are oftentimes broken they're brought down or they're split apart. Then God gives voice in thunder, lightning, <coughs> and tempest. In the following verse, verse 6, we read, He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syria, like a young unicorn. Here the effects of the voice of the Lord in the thunderstorm are extended beyond the trees to the very mountains on which they stand. This is what's signified by Lebanon and Syria. Lebanon's Mount Lebanon, of course, Syria is Mount Hermon. They're said to skip like a calf or like a young unicorn. In this case, the mountains are likened to young and skittish animals which jump with fright at the sound of the thunder. Here then, great stout trees and solid, seemingly immovable mountains are shown <clears throat> yet to move and be broken under the power of God's voice in nature. 
Likewise, the proudest, most stout-hearted of sinners are broken, are brought down, and are laid low by the voice of the Lord. When he speaks with power, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it is attended by the power of his Spirit, and the Lord speaks to the heart of a sinner that he's determined to save by his grace, why he breaks him. We've spoken already of how the Lord speaks with convicting power to those that he's determined to save. But more than this, here we see how that he lays the world, he dashes their pride, he brings them to an end of themselves. He destroys every notion in them that by their own merit, by their own worth or works they can attain to his standard, or by their own might stand against the Almighty and prevail. Well, my friend, can you testify to this? Have you heard the voice of the Lord in such a way that it has left you utterly broken? Knowing that you are hopeless and helpless, not only incapable of taking one step toward your own salvation. And fifthly, we read this seven, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. Though in the physics of the matter we know that thunder follows lightning because sound travels slower than light to the observer during the storm the thunder or the voice of the Lord comes between the lightning flashes dividing in time the flames as it were of fire which they appear to be and which oftentimes they create when they strike but otherwise the image may be of the dividing of lightning which sometimes occurs as it takes multiple paths to the earth. Again, the voice of the Lord in nature speaks of the voice of the Lord in his dealings with men, in the powerful application of his word to their hearts. This fire is surely a picture of the mighty work of the Holy Spirit. Several commentators make the association between this picture and the day of Pentecost, of which we speak in Acts chapter 2. We read something we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2 and onwards. We read there, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But again, the main application here seems to be the way in which God works in the hearts of men through the Gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit in applying it to them. 
C.X. Virgin says on these things, he says, flames of fire attend the voice of God in the gospel, illuminating and melting the hearts of men. By these he consumes our lusts and kindles in us a holy flame ever-inspiring love and holiness. Again, when the Word of God and the Holy Spirit come together in the preaching of the Gospel, oh, it goes forth with a fire. That fire has both light and heat in it. By the light of it, men are enlightened as the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God, causing them to see their sunny state. But also, the way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, which the Lord has provided. And then by the heat of this fire, hearts are melted and turned to repentance and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And hearts are caused to, to burn within with love toward God and a desire to glorify Him. Well then, sixthly, we read in verse 8, The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. <coughs> the Lord's voice, in the natural world, the thunder, is not reserved only for man's appreciation. <coughs> he thunders forth in desert places. Even when men are not present to hear it, the thunder shakes the wilderness. And the wilderness of Kadesh was very significant to Israel in that they passed through it twice during their 40 years in the wilderness, in their wilderness journey. It was from here that the spies went into Canaan to spy out the land and returned with their report that they would not be able to take the land due to the giants that dwelt there. And when they returned here for the second time, it was then that Miriam died. Even in this desolate wilderness place, the Lord's voice was heard, but not heeded by faithless Israel. So it is in the spiritual wilderness of this world. The voice of the Lord still goes forth, and not without effect. Even apparently barren soil can bring forth a harvest of souls. When the Lord speaks and His Spirit moves in the hearts of those who hear. And then seventhly, reading verse 9, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to come and discovereth the forests. And in His temple does everyone speak of His glory. The hind which apparently normally has great difficulty in giving birth. When frightened by thunder, often gives birth more easily and quickly. And the trees of the forest are often stripped of their branches by a storm. 
voice of the Lord has such profound effects upon wild beasts and plants. Yet so often it is the case that men are unmoved by such things. As John Calvin writes, he says that his face in gratitude indeed in men not to perceive his providence and government in the whole course of nature, but it is a detestable insensibility that at least his unusual and extraordinary works, which compel even wild beasts to obey him, will not teach them wisdom. Well, God's voice in nature, which brings forth new birth in the animal kingdom, often makes no impression upon men. Yet when his voice goes forth in the gospel of his grace, in the power of his spirit, it brings new birth in those that he's determined to save by his grace. Though many in general stop their ears to the voice of the Lord, those who truly hear it will return unto him praise. For all his glorious works in nature and in grace. For we read here and in his temple, doth everyone speak of his glory. This really speaks of his church. Those that he has saved by his grace. Those who have truly heard the voice of the Lord in such a way that it has awakened them, it has quickened them. It has broken them. It has brought them into conviction concerning their sins. It has caused them to cast themselves upon Him. It has brought them to repentance and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that they no longer fear the storms of nature, nor the storms of life. For they have a safe haven in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can take hold of the promise that we find in the very last verse of this psalm. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Thus his people, his church, return unto him praise and speak of his glory. Oh, have you heard the voice of the Lord. Have you heard that voice which wakes the dead? Have you heard that voice in such a way that it has broken you and caused you to cast yourself upon the Lord? Have you heard that voice in such a way that it has moved you to repentance and to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation? We pray that this might be the case for all gathered here. Amen.